Stock have too high a price? Buy a slice. Trade fractional shares of your favorite U.S. stocks and ETFs in any dollar amount you choose with zero commissions online. Get started at fidelity.com slash stocks by the slice. Fractional share quantities can be entered to three decimal places if the value of the order is at least one cent. Dollar-based trades can be entered to two decimal places. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from one cent to three cents per $1,000 of principal. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Hey, Earwolf, Team Coco, and Stitcher listeners. It's me, Ashley Ray, and I'm here to tell you about a special collection of podcasts in honor of Women's History Month. From TV I Say with yours truly, Significant Others with Liza Powell O'Brien, and Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer, we are excited to celebrate all women who are part of the SiriusXM podcast family. So let's toast to these women-led hosts and listen on Amazon Music. As far as I can tell, they just keep bringing in as many men as like waves of men. Like if a man comes in and no one wants him, they're like, okay, here's another one. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. Happy belated birthday, America. Yesterday, ABC gave us all the special surprise of semi-unexpectedly airing a rerun of The Bachelorette last night instead of a new one, so here we are. I would like to personally thank the network for giving us the gift of time to watch the fireworks. They were pretty spectacular. And also for giving us the ability to record a bonus episode where we actually get to talk about all the stuff we always want to talk about but never have time to because... Our producer, Nick, won't let us ramble for two hours. (laughs) So today we're going to get into some juicy Bachelor-related gossip because there's a lot about the guys on JoJo season and Fox's new dating reality show, Coupled. And obviously every true Bachelor fan's other favorite show, Lifetime's Unreal. Bonus, later we talk to Sherry Appleby, who plays Rachel on the show. She's really wonderful. But first, we want to just talk about Unreal. Yes, we do. (laughs) Take it away, Emma. (laughs) Unreal has become one of my favorite shows in the last year. I I wasn't sure what to expect, you know, when we hear, like, this scripted show kind of based on The Bachelor is airing on Lifetime. I was hopeful, but wasn't sure how good it would be. And then I just got completely, completely into it. I think it's just brilliantly done. Yeah, I love Unreal, but I think it kind of demonstrates the sexist way that TV shows are evaluated a lot of the time. Like if you look on IMDb, it's not it's got a lower average rating than House of Cards, I think. Despite like, it being critically no. acclaimed. Right. It's like a better House of Cards, but it's about a reality dating show. Like what's not to love? I know, it's like the greatest most the darkest workplace drama ever yeah and it has like an equal amount of random death um (laughs) and in a good way Um, (laughs) so this season has been like really intense um and they definitely 
We talked to Sarah Gertrude Shapiro and Carol Barbie. Uh, if you missed that, it was in our recap of episode two this season. And they are the co-creator and current showrunner of Unreal. And they just have a lot of really, really interesting thoughts about, you know, the current um, landscape of reality TV and, you know, their inspirations for making the show the way they've made it. But this season obviously deals with a lot of issues of race. And there is a black suitor, as they they call it in their fake Bachelor world, <laughs> Everlasting. Uh, something that, you know, The Bachelor has never actually done. And something that we've talked about on this show is, you know, as viewers who watch the show but are critical of it, it's, it's upsetting to see the lack of diversity. Uh, and so I love seeing that kind of play out in a really cynical way on this scripted version of The Bachelor. Yeah. Um, they definitely t- took the bull by the horns there. And <laughs> yeah. it's there's but like it couldn't be better timed in a way um, to our political moment and the amount of discussions that are happening about race in America and, and about representation in general. Yeah. Like one of the the contestants wears an I can't breathe shirt and it's like that wouldn't have existed even in the same way a couple seasons ago. I know. I love that they've tapped into what's currently going on. They dive into the, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and um, kind of look into the thorny way things play out when you try to use something as kind of fundamentally flawed as a reality dating show to try and further a more progressive political agenda. You know, you have Rachel who considers herself a feminist and finds her what she considers to be her most deep-seated values at odds with the work that she's doing every day, which she also really values. So she's kind of as a in a classic sort of white feminist way, <laughs> taking up the mantle of like saving herself and creating social change by you know, having a black suitor and portraying him well and getting Ruby, who's the Black Lives Matter activist on the show by telling her, oh, well, you can use this platform to get your message across, which we obviously know is, like, doomed. Yeah. I mean, she she made an effort, but she got equal amount of time to get her message across as Beth Ann, the Southern debutante, got to wear a Confederate flag bikini. So it kind of seemed like it balanced out in that sense. Right, right. It's, it's unclear what the net positive it was. <laughs> right. And Emma is uh, didn't watch last night's episode yet, so I don't want to spoil anything. But the idea of coming on the show to advance a a political agenda and then being on a show that's all about being encouraged to fall in love with one very specific guy, um, that's a conflict that Ruby has to deal with. And the fact that those two goals really don't necessarily align, like being a political activist is not going to get you the guy generally (laughs) and it's interesting because i think it's something we see play out in small ways on the actual bachelor and bachelorette we see these women's careers and aspirations and their religious beliefs and political views all obscured for you know building up this this idea that they are pursuing this perfect man who they will fall in love with in a matter of weeks and move across the country for and give up whatever life they've built for themselves in order to um, reach this, you know, quote unquote, more important goal of love and marriage and stability in this very 
heteronormative white way. Yeah. Um, one thing that is really fascinating, and, and we see it a little bit with with real Bachelor contestants like Andy um, a little bit, that the producers are able to play on these women's sense of themselves as strong, as accomplished, and to say, you know, are you going to let some bimbo get the guy when you're like a strong MMA fighter, you're a basketball player, you're tough, like you're in charge. Or in the case of Ruby, you can use this platform to advance your message, but then you have to stay on longer, you know, so you have to win him over. Right. You have to play the game in order to accomplish your ultimate goal. Right. So everything those women are proud of about themselves, uh, we see that with uh, the MMA fighter. Um, They sort of exploit her insecurities and her desire to come out on top, her physical strength, and uh, sort of goad her into getting very competitive with another girl and actually hurting her. Um, and and it's that sort of thing you see a lot of, that they want to take those women's identities that they're proud of and subvert them for their own purpose. Yeah, and I think when you're watching, you want, you know, I find it hard to kind of reconcile as, as a viewer and as someone who talks about this stuff professionally and really enjoys watching The Bachelor, that there could be a real mean-spiritedness behind some of what has to happen kind of to make, you know, to make the end product that is compelling television. And it's something that Sarah Gertrude Shapiro spoke about in her in the New Yorker profile. If anyone hasn't read that profile, you should really read it. It's really fascinating. She's an awesome, very interesting woman. And one anecdote that she spoke about particularly was playing upon a woman's um, body insecurities to get her to cry because she wasn't giving them anything. She had gotten kicked off. And I think it was only maybe week three or four, but it was when The Bachelor seasons were only eight episodes. So that still meant that she had, was in maybe the top 10. And um, she said something like, do you think that you were dumped because you were too fat? And this is a woman who had struggled with eating issues. Uh, and... Then we saw recently Cosmo actually tracked this woman down and interviewed her, and it was really striking. What was interesting is she said, oh, that isn't exactly what she said. She said, all this time you've been worried that you're not as skinny and beautiful as the other girls, that like you need, you're not good enough because of that. How does it feel to know that you were right? Which is so diabolical because so cruel. It's put it. It's using her own words and insecurities, and so it, it makes it seem as though the producer's not saying it. But then it's framed in this way that's like, "Well, you were right." It's a very strong statement uh, that her insecurities are all based in reality. And inevitably, if you're in sort of this locked room situation, and the producers are the people that you're speaking to, you know, some of, some of the most out of anyone. Inevitably, you're going to share those insecurities. You're going to talk about those things. Like, I can't imagine being a very social, talkative person. If I was in that sort of situation, I'm sure I would think all the producers were my best friends. I would befriend them. I would tell them everything. And at the end of the day, they are also put in a situation where they have a job to do. And they need to make you cry. And I don't think this isn't to demonize people who work in that space. And I think, you know, 
I'm sure not everyone sees their role in the same way that Sarah sees hers. Um, But I do think it presents someone of just competing interests. It's interesting because we talk about The Bachelor as being like the, the best spectator sport on TV. And really, if it's two teams, it's down to the producers and the contestants. And I think typically the contestants at this point especially know more or less what the show's about. We've all heard about producer manipulation and the fact that they'll try to edit in a villain and all that stuff that goes on. They go in knowing about that and typically they all go in thinking that they are going to use it to their own advantage. And for some of them that works out maybe and for some of them it doesn't. But the producers are on the other side of that saying this isn't about the individual contestants' advantage. We're going to make them do what we want them to do. So it's really like this clash between the contestants who think that they can play the game and the producers who have to, like... Play a different... Play, a, yeah. Or play the same game by different rules. Yeah. Like, they don't care. Obviously, every contestant is looking out for themselves, but the producers are looking out for the product of the show. And sometimes those things can go together, but... And sometimes... Yeah, if they want you to they be don't. the wifey, maybe that works out really well. Right, and that's probably why we see some contestants come off of the show really loyal to the franchise and feeling really, really honored to have been a part of it. And, you know, we've spoken to a lot of Bachelor alums, and it's not like they're all deeply traumatized. A lot of them had a great experience and are very thankful for it. Some of them, you know, are less, feel not quite so good about their own experiences or at the very least step back from it and say— oh, I I can see exactly how these situations were manipulated. No one has ever said to us, I was forced to do something that I didn't do of my own volition. But I think it's much more subtle. And I think we see, we get sort of a peek into how that manipulation can happen when you watch something like Unreal. Yeah. And I really like that they're including more of the contestants this season. I feel like last season we only really got to see the, the sort two. of two or three front runners and the the villain. And <laughs> we saw a lot of Anna, the right. the sort of heroine of the show. <laughs> um, but this season I feel like we're getting to see little bits of the motivations and the personalities of, of a lot of They're bigger cross They're all fully formed human beings, which yeah. is really nice. Uh, And I think it also sort of plays into the gender dynamics that we see playing out on the show because there there are many more women in this show than there are men. Uh, And a big theme this season is these men who are not powerless but who are surrounded by equally powerful, smart women or women who are smarter and more powerful than them Mm -hmm. and are very, very – threatened and freaked out by those maybe shifting yeah. dynamics. I mean, we all saw, I mean, Chet go on his Patagonian warrior hunting right. retreat. Basically like a very primal <laughs> men's rights activist. Yeah. and But like that's a very um, somewhat frightening but uh, realistic response for, for someone like Chet to feeling like he's not in control of what he thought he was in control of. Right. And I also think they do treat their male characters with compassion even when they are scary and threatening and, you know— And just the worst. And the worst. But they're still human (laughs) beings. Like, you can understand why someone like Chet 
might feel very helpless in having a child and not having custody. Right, over it. which he we just see has, really upsets him this right. season. But he just has a completely <laughs> infantile response to right. the entire thing. Because, yeah, of course, last season his ex-wife, uh, then his wife, was pregnant, um, and he was having a very long like, affair with Quinn. And now he's divorced, his ex-wife has full custody, and I mean, who would possibly give Chet custody after knowing anything about him? Right. He should not be caring for for a newborn. Right. <laughs> so instead, he kidnaps the child. Right. I mean, that yeah, that feeling of— uh, and But then you—what's what's great is that you see that with the women, too. There's no, like, oh, good. Like, it always makes me think of Aaron Sorkin. It's like, oh, good, daddy's here to, like— be in charge, and I'll just be like the cute little girl sidekick. And there's none of there that are no sidekicks this. in this show, male like, or yeah. female. <laughs> if 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 the paternal sort of dude character comes in to take charge, the women are definitely immediately in the process of taking that away from him by undermining him with another diabolical plan. Yeah, and these women are also equally imperfect and flawed and navigating these really kind of fucked up systems. And I think that's what makes the show so much fun to watch. I was just listening to like uh, Invisibilia. I'm forgetting what podcast it was, but it was uh, about cheating and how people uh, cheat in different situations. And like they found that parents in this one study were less likely to cheat if their kids were present only if their kids were girls. And I think that's really interesting that we're very uncomfortable showing women, like, modeling behavior that is unethical for women but not for men. Um, but that's equality, you know, <laughs> is women and men have the equal opportunity to be awful, to be awful selfish people. selfish assholes. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's kind of what Unreal is. And we had the opportunity to chat with Sherry Appleby, who plays Rachel, the kind of the heart of the show, the white feminist, uh, flawed conscience. Um, And she was really great. We had a great chat with her. She was fantastic. Just a warning. We found out about five minutes before this interview that it was going to happen. So... Um, That's why we sound I got a little so calm rambly. and collected. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So we wanted to ask you a couple of questions um, about um, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, which um, is something that I know you guys hear about a lot um, in the show uh, as, as actors on the show. Is it a show that you've ever watched or do you ever watch TV shows like that? Sure. I watched uh, when the fo- show first came out. I was really into it. I was single. So it was really fascinating to me trying to figure out, like, why do people fall in love? How do people fall in love? Um, and I was really into the Andrew, Fi- Andrew Firestone season. And then Jen, I don't remember her last name. Jen, do you guys remember, like, the first batch? She was one of the first bachelorettes. Uh, and then uh, Bob Guinea was a was a suitor, was a like a contestant on her season, and then he became the bachelor. And I really liked him when he was a like a uh, contestant on the show. But then when he became the actual bachelor, I was kind of grossed out by him because he was like <laughs> having sex with a bunch of girls, and then it like made me really grossed out and scared because I was single. And that was sort of the end of my bachelor days. That's a classic bachelor watching story, yeah. I think. And having watched the show and now acting on a show that portrays a fictionalized version of the behind the scenes, is that something that you've kind of 
thought about, you know, when you're now portraying that like sure of course and I directed an episode this season and so it was interesting to be like I know how these shots are usually set up on The Bachelor I know how this stuff normally looks you think about it for sure and you also realize that The Bachelor is a show that so many people are watching and really relating to so like how can we bring in whatever works on their show onto ours there's that kind of thinking going into it as well yeah and you play a character obviously who is a producer who we see sort of manipulating contestants to do things that we ultimately might see in the final cut. Does that make you, uh, having lived as this character on the show, does it make you more sympathetic to the shenanigans that you see happening on reality TV? Or does it make you want to justify it in any way? No, I just more like when I watch these shows now, I'm like, they're being produced. That's a produced segment. That's a produced segment. This person's not telling the truth. You can tell which ones I feel like are there to get famous or there for other motives. You can watch them sort of hamming it up and doing things on camera because you know that they're aware of what what's available to them when the show ends. But I think now when I watch these shows, I don't really feel guilt. I don't feel guilty. I don't feel bad for these contestants because I really do think that most of them are signing up knowing what they're getting themselves into. Do you think that there's just more information out there right now about the kind of constructed nature of reality TV now that we have social media and all this discussion around it and shows like Unreal. Yes, and I feel like a lot of the contestants from former seasons are coming out and starting, like when people are asking them about Unreal, they're really starting to talk about what their experiences are like. And I just think that like people at home, the audience is a lot smarter than when reality first started. Like when the real world first came out and like there was Pup and there was, you know, the first gay... um, uh, someone living in the house and like there was all these movements going on because we didn't have the exposure and now it, everything just feels so much more manipulated. So to delve a little bit into your character sure. specifically Rachel uh, obviously this season deals a lot with race issues on reality TV. How was it for you playing a character that explicitly identifies as a feminist but also seems to have a little bit of this white savior complex? Yeah, she definitely feels like she's a hero and she's doing something that hasn't been done before and she's doing right by the American people and it's really making her sort of high off her power and high off of what she, what stories she's able to tell that nobody else has been able to tell. It's been interesting talking about race so much on set and in the you know when we're doing interviews because it's not something that I've grown up talking about that much. It's sort of a taboo topic, but the more we were talking about it on set, we got to the point where we could joke around and have some fun and not to feel so nervous but she is definitely someone that is um she's like believe she's like reading her own like reading her own press believing her hype so it is, you know what I mean like she really really is getting off on the fact that this story is going down because of like her her pushing for it yeah is that something that makes you feel more self-aware just by experiencing acting a character who sort of loses that little bit of self-awareness about Mm -hmm. what she's doing and what she's actually um, achieving, uh, who starts to buy into her own hype. Does that make you a little bit more cautious? I mean, I've been in the business acting since I was three years old, so I feel like all those (laughs) cautionary tales I've sort of explored at different parts in my life. But it is interesting playing a character who's new to it and um, who gets really affected by it this season. I feel like, you know, when 
Quinn took away the show running job and she was kind of she's sort of in these few episodes we're seeing now episodes three four and five she's kind of like lost at scenes not really knowing what to do to with herself and you can see that her morals are sort of um questionable she's not really feeling that much guilt for what she's doing to these contestants but I think in terms of making me self more self-aware I think I've already sort of explored a lot of those topics or issues in my personal life yeah and one of the things that I love so much about the show is that the central sort of fucked up love story is between these two very powerful, imperfect women. Yes. What has it been like, um, you know, kind of watching this season back and when you were playing it, especially, you know, the episodes we've seen mm-hmm. kind of right at the beginning, they go from this like money dick power to right away Rachel kind of goes around Quinn's back and yes. just creates all of this conflict. Um What do you think that kind of says about the different ways that we're seeing women portrayed on TV now? Like, it's such a conflicting relationship. Yeah, well, I didn't realize that having two two really uh, three-dimensional women that are, like, doing things that could be seen as, like, anti-heroic, who are focused on their careers, I didn't realize that that would be groundbreaking. Because to (laughs) me, all of my friends and the people that I associate and hang out with are those women, so, like, the fact that, like, this is not the stories that we're seeing at home on television all the time was, like, a little bit, I think I just, I wasn't aware of it. I think it's incredible. I've had so many women that have really been mentors to me in my life, and those relationships are incredibly, um, have been incredibly wonderful, and I've gotten so much out of them. I mean, I've never gone around one of their back. I wouldn't <laughs> do that. But Rachel and Quinn, Rachel specifically, I can speak to her, is she's incredibly focused on winning and getting to the top, and you start to see that she's, like, willing to even step on Quinn to get there yeah yeah um and we know that you guys were picked up for a third season yes. which is really exciting Thank you. um and is there anything that you would like to see happen in the show in season three there we saw like a big theme I think explored yeah. in each of the first two seasons yeah. I'm really still excited to see how this season plays out yeah. but looking ahead is there anything you'd really like to see tackled um I mean, I feel like this season, you know, Rachel doesn't have the show running job anymore and Quinn's kind of having Chet sort of take the show away from her as well. I would love to explore more of the sexual uh, politics in the workplace because I think that's something that's really, really pertinent and women are really discussing it. Like, how do we make equal pay as men? You know, is there are we going to have a first female president? Like, what does it look like when the women actually win this year? This year, the women are kind of I don't think that we're having as much power on the show as we did maybe last season. So that's a topic that's really, really interesting to me. I'm excited to go back and see what these writers come up with. Yeah, we <laughs> definitely yeah, are, too. Yeah. Uh, I just would love to know what your thoughts are on the way that masculinity is tackled and portrayed, especially this season with Chet kind of dabbling in men's rights activism. Sure. Well, I feel like the the male stories in this season are actually kind of smart because we do have male, we have love interests come in, but they're both of them are kind of controlling and playing both these women in a way that I'm not sure that these women are suspecting. Um, and I think that Chet have, going through his men's rights movement is good. He gets Jeremy involved with it, but at the same time, their intentions are not totally pure and he gets a little lost in it and he's still just really focused on winning Quinn back. So, um, but again, I think these topics of like men having their own movements, women wanting equal rights and equal pay and feeling like they're just as worthy as men are really interesting conversations to be having. Yeah, I think it's really great how the show is able to show both of 
those conversations um, without necessarily casting judgment, but showing just how dark each of those positions can go yeah, both even, the, the feminist strong women <laughs> and the men's rights rights activists even if it's in its darkest moments i think your show has a lot of compassion for yeah. its characters that's, that's wonderful thank you and i hopefully a lot of humor hopefully it's not like putting all these yeah. messages forward without like enjoyment because at the end of the day it's like a television show and you want to have a good time watching it but i feel pretty proud that we're making entertainment that also has something to say I guess ideally any form of entertainment would have both. (laughs) From your mouth, from your mouth. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. This was lovely. I feel like I'm just hanging out with the millennials. Just being cool with Obviously, we could talk about Unreal forever, but sadly, we have to take a short break so Emma can grab some coffee. But don't leave. Afterward, we'll dive into another new fave, the Fox reality dating upstart, Coupled. And we're going to share some Bachelor Nation gossip. Really good stuff. So don't. So it's been a few years now, but I still look back on my time planning my wedding so fondly. I mean, I was so excited to get married to my partner and to plan a big party that really reflected who we are and our friend groups and our families. And it was also very complicated and there were lots of moving parts. It wasn't always easy. Well, Claire, maybe you should have used Zola because you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place with Zola. Yes, I've thought this many times in the years since. I mean, with Zola, you have free planning tools like a customizable checklist and website. There's a venue and vendor discovery tool that matches you with your dream team. I mean, everything on Zola is just designed to make your wedding journey as easy as possible. And with invites that are super fun to create and a wedding registry packed with gifts that you actually want, Zola takes you from save the date right to think so much without breaking a sweat. When I was planning my wedding, honestly, it was just so hard to keep track of every component of the planning process, it would have been so much easier in retrospect and let me enjoy the really fun parts of planning a wedding more if I just had everything centralized. And that is exactly what Zola makes so easy. I mean, that is like the number one advice I would give anyone planning a wedding today. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Are you one of those people who thinks they don't have time to prioritize wellness? If so, Aloe Moves is here to change your whole mindset. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flower class that will fit your whole schedule, even if your schedule is very complicated and ever-changing like mine is. And their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day, which is so convenient. They've got award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts. Truly truly have it all because you can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quieter moments. I am one of those people who really struggles to prioritize wellness. I did before I had kids and now it's even harder because you're always doing pick up or drop off. You're making a lunch. You're like dealing with some need that your children have or you're working. And Aloe Moves allows me to just fit those workouts in 
in those spare moments, when I find myself with an extra 30 minutes of time, I can do a yoga class. I can do something that gets my heart rate up. And it really works with my lifestyle. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use code LTSI20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code LTSI20. Allomoves.com code LTSI20. I am someone who is perpetually facing the issue of my closet is messy and full, and yet I feel like I have nothing to wear. Mm -hmm. But Quince has been an absolute game changer for my style. Same. If I really need a new luxury basic, I know where I'm going to find one that is going to fit the bill, work for a lot of different occasions and styles. And I'm also going to stay on budget, which is a huge plus. They have items like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for just $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passing... uh, and passes the savings on to us. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for their wardrobe basics. Like, I have a really amazing leather blazer from Quince, but I also have gotten really into, like, their luggage and travel accessories. I just purchased an incredible, like, neoprene weekender bag, and it is such high quality. The color is beautiful. And I spent about half as much as I would have spent on a very similar product from a fancier brand name. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash LTSI. If you're a wine lover, here's a little secret. There is a personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to discover new wines you're guaranteed to enjoy. To start, you just answer a few questions on their website about what flavors you like, how often you drink wine, and if you prefer red, white, or rosé. As always, I love a quiz. (laughs) And based on the answers that you give, First Leaf curates a really amazing selection of wines. Just for you. Later, when you rate those wines, your wine selection gets even more tailored. Choose when the wine is delivered and how often to get new assortments of wine. If you want wine pairing advice or to talk about the wines in your box, you can always speak with one of their First Leaf experts. As someone who loves wine but really doesn't know much about why I like certain bottles and what it goes with, this is such an incredible way to get to know your own taste in wine better. I know. I totally agree. I got to try the Chenin Blanc from South Africa that is part of First Leaf's premium wines collection, and it was so good, and it was not something that I would have necessarily picked out myself a quiz, and good wine. I mean, everyone's winning here. (laughs) Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI to get your first box. That's tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI. tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI. 
One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. As they should. Learning a language is so important. So if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel, the science-backed learning language app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks, which is kind of wild. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college, aka so, so many days of waking up for an 8.30 class that I maybe didn't need to do at all. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Personally, I've been trying to brush up on some basic French because I am headed to go work from Paris for a few weeks and... It's been really helpful because my French is not good, but now I don't have to sound like such an idiot. (laughs) You can never sound like an idiot, but Babbel can definitely help. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. Miss it. Before we get back to the show, have you had a chance to find Here to Make Friends on iTunes? If not, now is the perfect time to subscribe and give us a rating before Emma gets back from her coffee break. Every time we get a new subscription or review, our show climbs the iTunes chart, which helps other people discover our show. Okay, now let's talk about couples. I feel like a human. Welcome back. Thank you. I I mean, I just feel really (laughs) hashtag blessed to work at a place that understands my caffeine needs. I can't believe we did the whole first half of this without a caffeinated Emma. I know, I'm like basically not a human. I never guessed. You (laughs) pulled it off so well. But now you have your caffeine and... It's time to talk about Coupled, which I'm really excited about. I'm excited about it, too. You had been talking about the show a little bit before I started watching it. And then I read a really great piece that Allison P. Davis wrote for The Ringer Mm. about the show. And I was so intrigued by it between her commentary and what you had said that I went and watched all the episodes that had aired, which weren't that many, caught myself up. And now I'm very into it. Yeah, it airs on Tuesday nights on Fox And it's nice that it's not at the same time as The Bachelor. I feel like they knew that that would be biting off a little bit more than they could chew. Also, maybe there's sports on Fox Monday nights. I really don't know. Also, one thing that I (laughs) noticed um, right when I was watching is that one of the executive producers uh, worked on The Bachelor for years. Yeah. Cassie Lambert Scalatar, who's married to... One of the other Bachelor producers. (laughs) It's definitely a Bachelor challenger in that it it tweaks a lot of the aspects of the Bachelor formula that people have complained about for years. It feels like a direct response to all of the commentary on the show, which is fascinating to watch play out. Yeah. So for those of you who don't watch, it's... Yeah, let us us set it up for you. (laughs) It's a group of women. How many women? Ten? Maybe twelve. I think there's twelve. Twelve women, uh, all they, of them have solid, successful careers, and that is made very clear. They, they're a pretty diverse group. Very, yeah, I'd say very diverse. Yeah, and um, they live together in these bungalows on Anguilla. Looks lovely. Yeah, and then every day or so, 
a man is flown in on a helicopter. And then rides in on a boat. Yes, to meet them. <laughs> and so they each get a couple minutes to go up to him and chat with him. And then they decide whether they want to go right and meet him at the tiki bar or they want to go left because they're not interested in being They like, just don't want to date him. him. So the women get sort of the, the right of first refusal, as it were. Um, and then the ma- the man, after he meets all of them, goes to the tiki bar, sees who wants to get to know him better, picks two of them to go to a beautiful villa on the other side of the island. And they kind of have a two-on-one date. For like for 36 a, hours. For, yeah, for an entire day plus. And then ultimately the guy does get to choose which of those two women he wants to then couple up with and be sent to the couple's villas right with and then they sort of are given little outings that test their relationship and right. if at any point a woman decides she's not into the guy that she has coupled up with she gets to go back to the villas and meet more men and the man has to go back home yeah as far as I can tell, they just keep bringing in as many men as, like, waves of men. Like, if a man comes in and no one wants him, they're like, okay, here's another one. And all of the men also <laughs> are pretty diverse. Yeah. They have—they're all employed. Yeah. There's a big emphasis on being ready for a relationship. But it's interesting. It becomes clear pretty quickly, I think, when one of the dudes is not actually serious about a relationship because— they're in Anguilla, so, like, he can just, like, day drink by the pool all day and, like, get <laughs> I, rowdy I if he's referring just there for to fun. 36-year-old Taylor? Yeah, he was not there for a relationship. No. And then I think it's it's clear to the women. They're like, he's not here to get to know me. He's here because he can have a vacation on a beautiful island. Um, Which I guess we will see as the show kind of wraps up. I'm not sure what the conclusion will be. There's not yeah. really a clear end goal in the way that with a, The Bachelor— you know that we're leading up to some big sort of yeah. romantic climax. <laughs> I do feel like the the pacing of the show is a little like well for me like the more rules a show has in its formula the less I like it, the worse it is. Um like I've I also watch Are You the One on MTV and it's just like there are a lot of little challenges and then the winner of the challenge gets to do this and then they have to like go in the truth booth and I'm like oh my god it's a lot of elements and yeah I think it distracts from like the human drama coupled suffers from some of that I also think that like I just it just took me like five minutes just now to explain how how it even works. works right and then of course you have all of the little getting to know the people um, as, as you kind of go on. And there are more people as you go on instead of less. Right. So it, and you would think that it would, you know, that's great over time you get to know them, but it actually means as time goes on, I feel like I know them less well because so little time is spent in each episode on, on any of them. Something I did find interesting about it is that in general, even when there has been conflict with, with maybe a couple exceptions, I think this most recent episode, there was some real genuine conflict that does not seem to be resolved uh, between two of the women. Mm -hmm. But in general, whenever there would be conflict, they would have one conversation that's pretty civilized. And then they would just part ways and things would be fine. We saw that between the couples, too. Even when people broke up, they kind of ultimately hugged it out at the end. (laughs) They part ways and they 
move on, which is very yeah. different than sort of the deep, seething, building grudges and resentments we see on on The Bachelor that usually just yeah. are played up as time goes well, on. Well, it made me think about um, – well, so it's hosted by Terrence J. And who he describes himself as a young black Cupid. <laughs> he is wonderful. I would try to date so him cute. if I were on the show. He's so cute and impeccably dressed. Oh yeah, and but it's such an interesting comparison to, to Chris Harrison. Nick appreciated that. Um, no, because he actually tries to diffuse situations and to make people happier, and it makes it clear how much Chris Harrison is just doing a lot of the time to just stir the pot. Like, when there's a conflict with Chad in the house and they think he's violent, Chris Harrison is like, okay, dude, go back in there and, like, deal with it. And I was like, that's, like, the worst thing you could do. And meanwhile, Terrence J sees... Uh, the first couple that breaks up in the house sees them kind of going at it. They're fighting um, about whose fault it is that it didn't work out. And he comes in and is just like, hey, 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 hey. Like, doesn't matter. It's not working out. Just take this experience, give each other a hug, and, you know, accept that you're not right for each other. That's It doesn't have to be like this. And that's kind of cool to, like, see him actually trying to make the experience more romantically productive. Fulfilling. Fulfilling. Yeah. Um, Because that is such a healthy way to handle a breakup after, like, three days. (laughs) It's just to be like, okay, well, we're not right for each other, so best of luck, stranger. (laughs) Um, but it it also does you know I mean, it down it downplays it's a little the more drama. Boring. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the but next, I still the but I still like it. And there's plenty of parts of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette that are deeply boring. So you know, I, I I think the the real the only real issue I have with Coupled is that because there are so many people and there are so many elements. You don't invest in individuals the way you do with the Bachelor narrative because the narrative is just so simple. I mean, it's just hard. Like, there are several couples now. There are, like, five or six couples. And I feel like I know very little about any of them, Um, even though they've they've been building these one-on-one relationships for— varying amounts of time and we check in on them we see them go on dates and how do those dates go but unless they're one of the couples that immediately butts heads and breaks up they don't get a lot of screen time right i wonder if we'll see a little bit more as they start to have the conversations about whether they're going to continue these relationships i think maybe that's when we'll get that like bachelor in paradise style sort of confrontations towards the end yeah um but another thing i just want to shout out to the producers of coupled is that they allow the contestants to very openly speak about their upbringings and their political views and values. And they even present at least one situation where this girl, Alex, is on basically the two-on-one portion of a date. Alex with, is like a 23-year-old, 20, yes. hardcore conservative. <laughs> Which she makes very clear because it's important very to her. She talks about it a lot. She she's a radio Fox personality. News. So she gets a, I think she gets a lot of attention because— She's very bubbly and energetic and sweet. I find her to be highly entertaining. Yeah, (laughs) and I think she gets a lot of male attention by coming up that first time and being like, ah, hi. She's super friendly. Yeah, and then they talk to her and she's like, I don't believe in abortion at all. Right, so she she ends up getting um, on that two-on-one portion with this 
36-year-old guy named Ben who is clearly, like, a liberal Jew. And (laughs) he—they basically have a a pretty civil conversation in which he's shocked that she does not believe in a woman's right to have an abortion. And she says, this is an important value to me. And he says, well, that's in opposition to an important value to me. And it just becomes really clear that he's not going to choose her. And I liked seeing that. Yeah. It would be really weird, too— Like, you think of the stuff that you sometimes don't learn about each other on The Bachelor, and then you're in a relationship. Right. What if you're engaged to someone, then all of a sudden you're like, wait, we have fundamentally different worldviews on all of the most important issues in my life? I think, like, the the third thing I said on my first date with my fiancé was— Wait, you're not a Republican, are you? <laughs> I'm like, let's get right down to it. Like, I need to know. Um, if it's really, really important to you, then, you know, you need to be able to talk about that early on. Exactly. So we would love to hear um, your guys' thoughts on Coupled if you've watched it. We're super interested. And uh, we'll, yeah. we'll be be watching it, you know, when yeah. we have t- breaks in our I'm just concerned. I think the romantic high point has already passed because when uh, Michelle comes back from the villa after breaking up with her her couple, Ben, she ended up with Ben, I think, by default because he couldn't pick Alex, who was anti-choice, anti-choice. They didn't work out. She comes back and she's just like, you know, I've been thinking about the father of my son and she has a young, young child. And she's like, he was that partner that I that I need and that I wanted, and I couldn't see that before. And so they fly him, they fly in, him with in with their the kid. Case. It was so cute, and all the other women are so supportive and excited for her. And they like, like run to each other down the dock. I was like, there was snot all over my uh, face. I loved it. I loved it. You know, so maybe there, maybe there can be. I'm crying a little bit right great now. Great television without um, all of the very intense. Yeah, gender see, this norms is where like I feel like Rachel and Quinn would be like, we have to save this for the last episode, so they'd have to like make her stay, and like all. But and so the the downside is they kind of put the emotional high point in halfway through the season. Yeah, I but would love they, to get one of those at least producers on the show because I'm just curious to hear how much of this was in yeah d- direct response to The Bachelor. Yeah, it is really interesting to watch. I don't think that I could replace The Bachelor no. with Coupled. I it does but I seem can supplement. Yeah. I mean, I like it's still a very unnatural dating situation. I still actually don't think this it's totally This is not a feminist utopia. Let's yeah. be really clear. There are some weird inevitably if you have a dating show there's yeah. there's going to be some weird gendered things that yeah. happen. Well, in the last episode, I, I'm i pretty sure that the guy, the new guy who came in, picked the woman he picked because she was hotter. than like, 100%. Yeah. Like, and that's and always weird to watch. He, I think, has a fetish for Latino women. It's possible. So every, yeah, he was a little bit gross. So maybe they're like just saving the real gross people for the middle to which is play a weird choice when you think about it but um it, it's nice to see like a flip side um it sort of subverts everything that the bachelor does and takes a, a sort of opposite approach and it's a nice counterpoint okay so enough of this bachelor adjacent bs it's time for hot bachelor gossip 
red hot. <laughs> First, we want to just shout out to everyone who rallied on Twitter to get Wells and Derek on here to make friends. We are happy to report that Wells is actually going to be on in a few weeks. And it's all because of you guys. You guys, you're the real heroes. Truly. Yeah. And we have a lot of Bachelor gossip to catch up on because... It's easy to just get wrapped up in the journey that JoJo's taking with a bunch of dudes. But then you step outside of that bubble and you're like, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. Right. So Who are these monsters in the real world? Exactly. <laughs> they seem they seem like garbage, but they're actually like super burning hot garbage. <laughs> um so yeah, we we usually don't <laughs> dive too too deeply into this stuff, but it feels like there's been more out there about uh, the men this season than mm-hmm. usual. You usually maybe see one or two reports from one person's ex, but no, there is just yeah. so much. All of the exes are like, oh, this is a thing that we can do. We can just tell everyone about what a douche my ex was before he went on TV. Um, but actually, I want to talk about something that isn't from an ex first, some of you may have seen this if you follow Jade, uh, Jade Tolbert now on Twitter. Um, she tweeted a few days ago that some guy from JoJo's season was trying to pay her and Tanner to promote his Instagram. It's just this is this is the inevitable fallout from an age in which the best thing you can get from being on this show is enough Instagram followers to get paid by a detox tea company to shill their product. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's it's an, and also, it's an influencer creator. Right. And, and, <laughs> and also, if you want to become the next Bachelor or Bachelorette, now that we have this precedent of people being picked from the season before, and we know that followers play into it. Yeah. There's all this motivation yeah. to to be the most active on social media. They're all hashtagging Team Wells, Team Robbie. Okay, so we were hashtagging Team Wells, but oh, like right. whatever. Just Wells, though. That's fine. <laughs> Wells can do whatever he wants. He's great. Uh, so I did a little bit of digging on this because I wanted to figure it out. I was so curious, <laughs> but she didn't say in the thread, obviously. She didn't name names. She didn't name names. Uh, and I couldn't get confirmation but I saw a lot of people saying that it was Robbie, and then I saw Reality Steve, who I think is usually pretty accurate. So we don't know for sure, but he, uh, to the best of his knowledge, uh, believes that it is Robbie as well. So did he have any information to offer on why he thinks that it's Robbie? He basically just said that that's what he had heard and his understanding was that Robbie was doing this. I'm willing to believe that about him. I'm going to be really honest about my psychology here. I, I'm willing to believe that because I don't like him. I didn't really have strong feelings about him, but except that he looks uh, like a plastic Ken doll. Uh, but I think we need to move on to some of the other garbage men yeah. who are apparently on this season. Grant, who I really wanted to like, yeah. and I thought he came off quite well during his run on the show. I, yeah. I was sad to see him go. Not one, not two, but apparently three of his ex-girlfriends have spoken out publicly about him being not a great dude. The one we have the most information about is his most recent ex-girlfriend, who is, in fact, a reality TV producer. But what does she produce? Do you know? It's unclear. Okay. It's unclear. Not. I don't think it's a dating show. I, I couldn't find out what she actually 
what show she actually works on. But apparently Grant was sort of put in touch with uh, Bachelor producers through this ex in the first place. LinkedIn says Real Housewives of New York. Oh, oh, that makes sense. I did see her tweeting about some Real Housewives stuff. Yeah. So apparently she met Grant on a plane in 2014. He just like aggressively Kayla pursued and her. her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he he pursued her. They were apparently very much in love. He got a tattoo of the flight the, number. The flight number. And and one of her best friends sent Reality Steve a photo of them together pointing to the tattoo. So this is a real tattoo. Yeah. Looking very um, lovey-dovey. And he's also all over her Instagram. So clearly they they dated for a significant amount of time. This was also spoken about on Stassi, formerly of Vanderpump Rules, on her mm-hmm. podcast. I went back this week and I had some extra time because <laughs> I was staycationing and I wanted to find out about more about this. Uh, and Stassi's acquaintances with this girl and had actually had dinner with her and had heard about Grant, you know, before all of this happened. So this is clearly someone that this woman was very serious about. They had supposedly been talking about engagement rings. Then towards the end of January, uh, which is about when Grant was cast, I think, he broke up with her uh, while she was on location for whatever show she produces, I guess, Real Housewives. And without real, really any explanation, broke up with her and turned his phone off, apparently. God. And then she found out through the grapevine that he was on The Bachelorette. If you guys could see my face right now. <laughs> Claire's cringing. I just, it's so it's, awful It's not to great. Hear and, you know, he he tweeted, hey, I, I broke up with her in early January and I was cast on the show in late January. You know, the dates don't, but that kind of misses the point. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does not right. look it's good not for him. Great. And, and it seems like know. he got together with previous girlfriends while he was right. not Apparently yet Apparently he was engaged to another Oof. young woman when he met this last girlfriend. Yeah. And it, he does seem on the show like someone, and this has been, we've talked about this, someone who jumps in a little quickly he was saying to JoJo, I will only fall in love with one woman on the show. I will tell you I love you every day when he'd known her for all of like two hours. He's just got a lot of love. It seems to give. like he's really into the the falling in love part. Well, we also know he's on Bachelor in Paradise and it looked like he was there for pretty much the entire filming. And apparently he was seeing someone. So another girl tweeted, and I found this tweet over the weekend too, photos of them that he had been seeing her in the interim between JoJo's season and going on Bachelor in Paradise. And oh my then God. she he said he was leaving to go on a show. It did not say it was a dating show. And then apparently he I mean if you're, if you're going on, on a Bachelor show, in Paradise. If you're going on a show after The Bachelor and you're not The Bachelor, it's definitely Bachelor in Paradise. Because right. otherwise, this girl it said would she be, doesn't watch what, any of, she doesn't stars. watch any of the Bachelor shows and clearly that was a mistake right clearly so. well clearly you shouldn't you know you shouldn't be able to believe the person that you're dating oh i just mean it's a mistake <laughs> not to watch the bachelor well that, that's so. accurate this was a little while ago jordan rogers and raya so jordan apparently had well did have a raya account and there are varying reports about whether he accidentally didn't and his subscription because it's the thing you've paid for. He tweeted the most insane explanation. 
like very yeah. defensive he, sounding. He was approached and then one day later he was cast and he didn't have time to yeah. shut it down. And then he showed an email, which I then saw someone who works for Apple tweeting at Reality Steve that she suspects he actually doctored that email because that's not the way those kind of emails look Whoa. sent from Apple because Raya is not actually an Apple product app. So, right. So who knows? I mean, it's just it's just a whole God. bunch of sketchy. Like, look, maybe he did have a dating app he didn't shut off. I don't think that's actually right. necessarily the craziest thing ever, but it, it doesn't make him look good. Yeah. And there's been other reports that he went on The Bachelorette in order to get a sports casting job, which he just got, hey. uh, or to possibly become the next Bachelor. So there's just—it just sort of taints the, the romantic image that this show is trying to build when you have a bunch of men who are just very publicly fucking up. Yeah. Dating apps— are so tricky. Like, I definitely forgot that I had an active well, dating account. That's what account. I'm saying. Also, there's, there's a lot of, <laughs> there are a lot of apps where even if you delete the app, they will still circulate your photograph unless you go in and actually say, I want this account shut down. Yeah. Like, I've seen people on dating apps that are like, wait, I, I haven't had that on my phone for six months. How did I end up there? So it's not like out of the realm of possibility that you could just accidentally yeah. Show up still, even if you're not using it. Yeah. I, I'm still not sure if my OKCupid okay account is shut down. Right. Claire, you might see Claire on I a dating app. I haven't Let used her know it if in you years. Do. Um, also, if you see an account that looks just like me, but the girl sounds unhinged, um, that's my crazy stalker doppelganger. So <laughs> please report that. Uh, okay. So moving on, because we're rapid fire here. We got a great email passed to us through the grapevine. And we, we were not going to identify um, the sender of the email. and We're not going to quote from the email, but there was— We're going to summarize. So basically this person uh, who wrote the email was at the sex talk date uh, that you saw. There was an audience, um, not just the, the dudes, and she was, she was in the audience and— she got to see all of the sex stories that were not included in the final cut of the episode. And apparently some of them did not make the men look great. Yeah. Some of the anecdotes that she said were related. And these were supposed to be true stories from the men's past. And even if they weren't true, like, why would you make this up? Um, Alex had, like, a shocking story, according really to horrifying. what we hear. Um, do you want to summarize, Claire? Oh, God. So reportedly, like, we can't confirm that this is what he, he said, and we certainly can't be sure that he didn't make it up. But the story that reportedly he told is that he was hooking up with a, his girlfriend or a girl he'd been sleeping with, and they liked to get a little rowdy, and he was sexing her, as they say. And he saw his electric razor nearby, covered with the with the top on. It had this a, it had the top on, <laughs> so he was like, "Perfect, I know what to do with this." And he shoved it into her butt and just, like turned it on so that it was vibrating, um, which is. Uh, 
That's an like, extremely not okay thing to do to someone. Right. Well, right. We hope. <laughs> Just to be clear. Right. The, the person who's observing this um, felt that it implied that the woman was not necessarily aware this was going to happen. Do whatever you want to do in bed right. to be clear if it's consensual. More power to you. Yeah. No, absolutely no judgments also, here. Also, like, not but, smart to get into butt play without some preparation. Right. Like, there, yes. you can't just stick something up there. No. And, and very... then to top it all off, the part that I found really alarming was that allegedly Alex was then disgusted by, you know, the things that There's that poop. area of the body produces, which is like, yeah. you can't. Like, sex can be gross, and there are bodily fluids, and that's what happens. Yeah. And when you are if having you sex with someone, that's that's what's going to happen. You, you don't get to shame a woman's body in. for doing what it's meant to do. If you want to put something in a place that poop comes out of, you have, you to, have know to accept that. That's just— It might be involved. Right. But this is something that I've heard before. Like, I don't know why I've read this Tucker Max anecdote, but one of his, like— crazy, gross, frat bro sex stories is that he convinced a girl to do anal with him. And then when he pulled out, she, like, pooped on the bed. And it's like, yeah, that's like, it's all about how gross and awful it is. And it's like, dude, you want to have anal sex, but you don't want to do any of the work to understand the consequences, the process, how do you prepare for that? I believe Love and Sex, our sister podcast, podcast. has right, done a has whole episode a, a on really that. really great episode about anal sex. Yeah, so next time, Alex, you might want to check that yeah, out. You, just, you don't first. get to shame you don't get to shame someone's body for doing what it's naturally meant to do. I just it's bullshit. Yeah. Uh so that was alarming. Also, apparently Ali, who we have adored on this podcast. Yeah. Made some kind of gross comments yeah. about how he doesn't like having sex with women that are, u- are ugly. ugly or not. Or that he did say in his bio that uh, he likes women who dress sexy. So it's not totally out of left field, but I'm disappointed. And we really, we really need to talk to Ali about this. So. Yeah. Apparently, he also um, used the word "slut" during his story. Apparently, apparently a lot of, of them, them did. did. <laughs> the editors must have just been like, "Okay, cut all of this voiceover <laughs> over this shot." Yeah. So apparently, like everyone said "slutty," except for maybe the stories that we actually saw. And and another little tidbit that I loved is that apparently uh, Chad actually did you know, get aggressive with Evan and did punch the door. But the cameras <laughs> missed him punching the door, so they asked him to go back and punch the door again. That's how you make a reality <laughs> TV show. Which, you know, that must really just, hurt that's your just hands. like a great little anecdote. Oh, God. Um, so the guys this season are just the dregs. <laughs> and except for Wells. Except for Wells. And maybe Derek. <laughs> yeah, I believe in them. I really do. Um, and we also, like, we want to take a little look back in the rearview mirror at some of our previous stars who've had some great—first yeah. of all, congratulations to Sean and Catherine. Two of our favorite guests to ever be on Here to Make Friends. They were absolutely as wonderful and lovely as they seem on television and super funny. Yeah, and they, they just had, had a, baby. a baby. And the last time we saw them, 
Uh, it was right before they announced that she was pregnant. So we are so excited for you, Sean and Catherine, and your adorable son. Her the 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 baby is named Samuel. Good name. Good name. It's my older brother's name. Solid name. Shout out to Sam yeah. Fallon. Okay, so moving on, uh, Ben and Lauren are getting a spinoff show. Yes, it's called Ben and Lauren, colon, Happily Ever After. Probably doomed to be one of the most boring shows on TV, but I will still check it out. Exactly. They know that they cannot bore us enough for us to stop watching. (laughs) But my favorite thing about this show is that there was an email that was leaked to, was it The Blaze? (laughs) Maybe some um, conservative news site. So we had I'm not sure if we talked about this before, but Ben uh, reportedly was thinking about or is still thinking about running for um, political office in Colorado as a Republican. Yeah. And he apparently wrote an email to the Colorado GOP announcing this new show and basically uh, telling them that this would be a great way to slip in the message of less government to the masses. And like if which is hilarious. For those of you who are watching on Real, he's basically the conservative white dude Ruby. He's like, (laughs) listen guys, this reality show about my relationship is really going to like sneaky, (laughs) like on the down low, it's going to be about libertarian values. (laughs) Like, no. Like and this it's kind of I mean, The Bachelor is really careful about not alienating different parts of their viewership. Which is why we basically never hear anything about people's political or religious views. And, like, we love Ben and Lauren. They were sweet, wonderful wonderful people. But it's, like, kind of ruining it for me. Like, I don't don't want to hear you talk about politics. I'm sorry. So as people who really are fans of them, it's just just a little bit It's like I want it to be, like— I don't want them to brainwash me with— I want The Bachelor uh, to be sort of like Thanksgiving with your extended family. It's like yes. we don't agree on everything, but we need to still be able to love each other. So, like, <laughs> let's just put that topic aside and we can talk about your wedding planning. Let's talk about that, you know. I'm really – I'll talk about wedding planning with whoever. I want to see them, you know, make some of their famous breakfast sandwiches together. Yeah. I've heard These good are all things that. that we could we could look forward to. Also, um, I'm like, less thrilled about, <laughs> you know, Ben preaching yeah. to me about how the government doesn't need to take any responsibility for people's health care. I also just can't take it seriously. Like I I looked this up just now. Ben is like two months older than me, but he still just really feels like a kid brother. He doesn't seem like someone that I would want to send to Washington, <laughs> Mr. Smith style, to fix the government. Even if I did agree with his political beliefs, I'd be like, Whoa. He is very charming. I think he has, you know, he has a, he took, I think, Juliet Littman's suggestion that he become a politician really to heart. Yeah, thanks and we a are, lot, Juliet Littman. <laughs> we are now seeing the fruits of that. Ben would say it's all about personal freedoms. Yeah. Yeah. Our personal freedoms. And I think that's a perfect place Wait. to... We never talked about Lacey oh. and Marcus. <laughs> okay. So there's a big, uh, well, what would we call this a big breakup? I don't even know. I mean, they were in theory, they were married, Marcus and Lacey from the first season of Bachelor in Paradise. They got married in in theory live. Uh, but on. as we've known for a little while, it was not a legal marriage. It was not a legal marriage. But the real gossip is that she apparently ghosted him. Yeah. she. So they were supposed to actually get married when they got back to the U.S., and she just dragged her feet on it, and it never happened. 
And then she stopped responding to him. It's so mean. It's weird. And now he's all over the tabloids saying that she checked out on their relationship, that she never really tried. He called the relationship toxic. He told people she was controlling. So all of these things now we're hearing just from Marcus. What's Lacey even doing? She has not commented. I think the last time we saw her anywhere was maybe on After Paradise last summer. Yeah. She was on some after a show. It's, I mean, I I don't want to say I told you so, but um, I never, I never bought it. I'm (laughs) I'm not a Marcus and Lacey. But like, because she also had, was playing Marcus against Robert for a while on their season of The Bachelor. I forgot about that. Yeah, she was kind of trying to have it both ways. And she eventually sort of settled with, down with Marcus, but... It didn't seem like she was necessarily specifically attached to him, but she really liked to be adored, and Marcus really liked to adore people, and so they had that they had that connection. But Marcus, stay strong. You're <laughs> gonna find that special lady, Lacey. Um, we don't know what's going on with you because you're ghosting the whole <laughs> world right now. So keep us updated. And, yeah, I think that's all the really important Bachelor gossip we wanted to cover. If there's anything that you guys think we missed, send us an email. You know where to reach us, or you will soon, because we're going to tell you our email address again. So, (laughs) on that note, that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks so much to our guest, Shiri Appleby, and thanks to our producer, Nick Offenberg, who sat here and listened to us ramble for way too long. And thanks to all of you for maybe, if you're still listening at this point, listening to our first bonus non-Bachelor completely themed episode. It was a fun experiment. Let us know if you'd like us to do it again. And in the meantime, here's a fun idea for how to spend your day. Find Here to Make Friends on iTunes to subscribe. Give us a rating. Write us a review. Every time we get a new subscription or review, our show climbs the iTunes chart, which helps other people discover the show. And also, we're now on Facebook, so please like us here to make friends on Facebook. It makes us feel so loved. You'll see all the fun updates we post. It'll be great. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emily D. Rose. And of course, you can send us an email here to make friends at HuffingtonPost.com. Thanks for listening. Emma's going to be on vacation next week, but I will be back with a new recap. And also, we'll have a pre-taped interview with Bachelor alum Jamie Otis, also of Married at First Sight, who today announced that she and her husband are pregnant. So, yeah. from con- Married at First Sight, yeah, to congratulations, the first baby. Jamie. And uh, it's a really, really great interview. So, I'm excited for you all to hear it. Talk to you next week. 